What's up, guys? Evolutionary.org podcast coming your way again. Steve Smee and Rick, another awesome episode. Um, we're going to have three topics. The first one is are steroids addictive? And this is a really, really interesting one because we get this question a lot on the forums. And guys kind of mix it up. Um, it just seems like the government and, and has an opinion on this. People who actually use steroids have an opinion on this. Doctors have an opinion on this. There's a lot of confusion out there and a lot of misinterpretation of things. So I'm bringing Rick because Rick's been using steroids for like 20, 25 years. And he's been on these forums for years and years. He's talked to a lot of people who are avid steroid users. So Rick, what's your opinion on if steroids are addictive? Well, um, a lot of things can be addictive. Um, steroids being one of them. The lifestyle is addictive. And since uh, steroids help you with this lifestyle, uh, you're going to become addicted to them pretty quickly if you start using them. Now, what I mean by addiction, because it's not like being addicted to a, a narcotic or, or one of these things where you're going to feel like you might die from a withdrawal symptoms. Uh, with steroids, it's quite different. You get addicted to the feeling, you get addicted to the pump that you get in the gym, you get addicted to the progress, to the strength, and definitely the, the lifestyle. The lifestyle is addictive. Living this type of lifestyle is a very, very addictive pattern. So um, steroids work and they cause um, huge changes in your body when you use them. And I think that's the part that makes makes it addictive for people is um, you don't you don't want to train without steroids once you once you know what it's like. Once you've been making gains on, on, on the sauce, you don't really want to train natural anymore. Um, also, uh, they enhance your libido, the way you feel, your mood, elevates all kinds of things. So um, it's also not a great feeling to be without uh, the sauce and you know feel kind of run down and tired and not have all that energy you normally would have. So um, I, I certainly think they're addictive for sure. Yeah, that's a good point because I look back at my history and the strongest I've ever been was while I was on trend. There's no way I could have been as strong without using trend. So if you really like let your ego get in the way of things and you want to go into the gym, throw three plates on there. Okay. And fucking put out reps then. And you're addicted to that feeling in the gym of you, you do that and you get up and you're like, ah, I'm the man, you know? You get used to feeling like that, like you're the fucking alpha, and, and it's hard to get away from that. But let me tell you something, though. A, a thing I've noticed, and I've talked to guys who are – I've interviewed pros on this show. Um, I've interviewed Mr. Olympia guys, top 10, top 15 Olympia guys. I've interviewed Mr. Olympia champions on this podcast. You can go back and look. And I've talked to them about this. And it – Here's the thing. If you start lifting weights in like two weeks or two months or even two years after you start lifting weights, you hop on steroids, you're going to get addicted to that feeling of being on. You're not going to want to work out without them. That's where the addiction comes into play. In my situation, I went 13 years weight training. I was an endurance athlete. I was a power lifter. And I never touched steroids in that 13 years. So for me, 
I can easily not use steroids and still be motivated to go to the gym. But if you don't never put in the, the years and you are used to using the steroids and you're used to being that strong and you're used to all this stuff, it's hard to, to get away from that because we all want that trajectory straight up and we don't want to accept that you have to take steps back to go forward. Professional athletes, okay, NFL athletes right now are on vacation. They don't report to training camp till late July. They had mini camps a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago. They got a full month off and then they go back, they go to training camp in late July and then they have their regular season and then the season's over in January. If they make the playoffs, they go to Super Bowl, it's in, in February. What do they do from February to late July? Virtually, they, they're not in there pounding their bodies away. It's not a nonstop trajectory. You're going to have a – Tom Brady today is not ready to go to the Super Bowl, but he'll be ready in February to go to the Super Bowl. So you have to accept your body's going to go up and down. And I think that in the bodybuilding industry, Rick, we see this pattern of guys who think that you can just progress week after week, month after month, year after year, nonstop up, but you get bit slapped. One day you're going to get bit slapped. You're going to get an injury. You're going to get a divorce. Something's going to happen. We're going to have to take a step back. And it's better to do that and lay off the steroids and not be addicted to them. You got to take time off from the steroids if you're going to get the most out of them. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You have to take time off of them. Especially, you know, these are synthetic hormones that we made in a lapse at some point. And you're not supposed to take these all the time. Now, most of the guys competing, I'd say all the guys competing at the top level, they are on something year round. And that is just their lifestyle. That's what they've decided their life is going to be like. But guys like you and I, man, you got to come off of this stuff. You know, just uh, blast the nice cycle and make sure you, you come off and stay off of it and make sure you can train without the steroids. Make sure you can have sex without the steroids. Make sure you can go on through your day and your life without having to take them because they, they will become addictive. I mean, that, that's it's just a great feeling that you get when you're mid-cycle and uh, every day you are putting on mass, every day you're putting on strength, uh, every day you're seeing new aspirations, new cuts in your body. So it, it's a very uh, addictive uh, feeling. So uh, learn to train without them mainly. That's what you want to do first is you want to adopt the lifestyle first, become addicted to the lifestyle first. Um, and then, uh, you know, then it'll be easier not to use the steroids as such a crutch. And then and the benefit of doing that, too, is when you do use the steroids, you do cycle on, you'll get tremendous results. You'll get way better results than someone who's just addicted to steroids and uses them year round. Because everybody I know, all these young guys in their early 20s, okay, and I, I, I've talked to them over the years, for the past decade. Rick, you've talked to them, too. All of them who were addicted to steroids at 20, 21, 22, and ran them like for months on end when they were that young. Now they're in their late twenties, early thirties. They don't even, they don't even work out anymore. Yeah, so a ton of them quit. Something's wrong quit. there. Something is wrong there. If, if that's, if that's what's happening, it, you fall off the wagon and you just give up on training entirely. You don't want to do that. So it's all about, it's all about consistency. And, but if the bottom line is, are steroids actually addictive? No, they're not, but they can be mentally addictive, I think, is, is what the best way to describe it. Would, would that be the characterization you would do, Rick? 
Oh, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they're not going to give you withdrawal symptoms the way uh, something like heroin would, obviously. Even um, like sugar will but give you. Withdrawal you will symptoms. feel. Yeah. I was going to say <laughs> sugar. Like people are addicted to sugar. You know, they don't have sugar. They get fucking withdrawal symptoms. You know, so Absolutely. yeah, steroids won't and, do that. So. Yeah. And, to, and to be fair, I guess gambling is, is a pretty uh, a, a destructive addiction and there are no substances involved. So you can become addicted to injecting the, the way you feel from it. I mean, it's, it's not a withdrawal symptom, heroin addiction, but it definitely is a, a lifestyle addiction where your lifestyle just, just seems better uh, while using them. And that's definitely uh, something to be mindful of and something to understand every time you use, a, use any of this stuff. All right, guys, next topic is, is organic worth it? It's a pretty dicey question, and we get a lot of opinions about this. And I've actually – I had a farmer on the podcast a few months ago who was actually an organic farmer, so I actually learned a lot from him. And you guys can go back and want, listen to that episode. Um, I'll get Rick on this first because Rick knows a lot about um, stuff like soil depletion and stuff. I mean, he, we talk off air about this stuff and he's a wealth of knowledge. So I'm curious to hear what you think about, uh, this topic. You know, um, when it comes to produce plants, um, they still have to use some pesticides. Um, they still have to, uh, use some stuff in there when it comes to animals. I'm really, um, I really like, uh, all of my uh, chicken, all of my beef to be grass-fed, free-range, cageless. Um, I definitely think that uh, the way we treat the animals uh, as they're being uh, raised, it makes for a better product, make, makes for better, more nutritious uh, uh, food. So I gravitate towards that. When it comes to produce, I, I do buy organic, but um, it's one of those things where if I just can't get something organic, I don't go crazy over it. I just buy regular stuff. It's, you want to make organic a, a decent portion of your diet, but not go too crazy over it because at the end of the day, you're still getting something in there. You know, even if the stuff is raised organic, um, there's other stuff falling onto the soil now that wasn't falling onto the soil 20, 30 years ago. So it's definitely, uh, uh, I think when it comes to the animals is the more important part, uh, cageless, grass-fed, free-range uh, you know, that, that's, that makes a huge difference in my opinion. And I think, I think you can taste it too it's with the eggs. When you have a cageless, oh, um, yeah. cageless eggs, it, I, I, I free range chickens. I mean, it's just it, the food, it tastes much, much better. Yeah. You want it with the eggs, even if it says cage free, that's a little loophole in the law. That just means that they could be running around in a barn on top of each other. That doesn't necessarily mean they're outside, they're pecking, they're eating bugs and stuff. So what you want to look at with eggs is, is you want to look at that humane friendly stamp. The humane friendly stamp means that the, the chickens are running around, they're pecking, they're eating seeds or eating worms or eating bugs exactly as nature intended. And then at night they bring them into the barn where it's safe and they won't get eaten by you know, predators. And then the next morning they're, they're let out again. So that's what you should be looking for with your eggs. It makes a huge difference. If you buy the cheap ass eggs from Walmart, it tastes like chemicals. I mean, that shit's horrible. Like, I don't know. Like, you can taste the difference, guys. You can, you can feel taste the, the difference in the food. You can taste the difference. Yeah, Absolutely. you feel like shit after consuming it. Organic now, milk. I, I switched over to organic milk uh, a while back and you can taste the difference. Oh, absolutely. You can look at grass-fed beef versus 
regular beef and you can, the, the color is not even the same guys. I mean, it's completely different. I mean, one has is loaded with vitamins and minerals and one is not. So yes, it does make a difference. I grow a lot of my own stuff. Um, I have a vegetable garden and I don't use any type of pesticides, anything. I don't use herbicides, pesticides, nothing. It's completely organic. I do lose a lot of crop to pests. I lose a lot of crop to rodents. Um, my cat helps me out with that, by the way. But, you know, it's okay, you know, because at the end of the day, the food is much better quality. It's going to be full of mineral, minerals and vitamins. When you spray pesticides on these produce, it not only gets on the produce itself, but it also gets sucked into the plant. So it kills it kills the beneficial bacteria. It, it knocks down the nutritional value of that. So it makes a huge difference. But what Rick said, though, I agree with. I had a pomegranate earlier today, and it was not organic. It was conventional because I didn't have access to organic pomegranate. They usually have conventional. But since the pomegranate has a really thick skin, you know, you're not in that type of situation. But if you're getting like green lettuce, romaine, berries, um, stuff like that, which aren't protected, you definitely want to go the organic route. Otherwise, you're going to be consuming pesticides. <laughs> and uh, over time, guys, that's going to kill a lot of your good cells. And that's going to open yourself up to getting cancer. Um, we see this with uh, people who work in the pesticide industry who have cancer rates that are about five, 600 times the normal rate. And um, it's really, really sad. And I was actually talking to someone about this. Uh, he visited a plant where there were these um, undocumented workers working in the plant. There was about 100 of them. And they were wearing no protection at all, working around the pesticides. So when he went in there, because he was a salesman, they told him, dude, you got to wear all this gear when you go in there. You can't be exposed to any of this stuff. And he walked in there and he was in shock that there was a hundred people working without any gear on day in and day out. And he wondered to himself, why are they telling me I have to wear gear, but these people are working in these conditions. Well, guess what? Those workers, they don't give a shit about those workers. <laughs> They're going to end up getting cancer and all kinds of health problems. So, you know, it, guys use common sense on this really. Like, do you really want to consume a little pesticide every day? <sighs> Uh, I don't think it's a good idea. Pay a little more and get, and get the organic with, with stuff like that. Yeah, I, I agree that you could taste the difference and it's, it's worth it. I don't go crazy over it. If I can't get something organic, I'll do whatever is, is available. But whenever I can, I, I will spend the extra cash to go organic. Uh, I think and, then let, and let's not get into the soil issues. You get these pesticides in the soil. That's ruining the soil. We went through the dust bowl because of greedy farmers and lazy farmers already. The only reason we don't go through another dust bowl anytime soon, it's going to happen again in 20 or 30 years, by the way, but it's not happening now because they found aquifer under the plains and they're able to basically run water on top of the plains. But once that aquifer dries out, we're going to have another dust bowl and we're going to have a major, major crop shortage in this country again. And um, we're going to be in trouble if farmers keep abusing the soil. And then these pesticides, they run into the oceans. They run into the, the rivers. They run into the lakes. We are seeing evidence of fish depletion. The, the amount of fish in our rivers and lakes and oceans is dropping rapidly. And the amount of jellyfish are rising. 
So eventually, uh, unfortunately, our oceans are going to be overrun by jellyfish because thanks to these pesticides and plastics and all the shit in our water. So think of the damage you're doing to the uh, environment when you are supporting lazy conventional farmers. So luckily, though, I'm done eating fish, by the way, just just throw that in there. I'm done eating fish. I don't eat fish anymore. Very maybe I'll have two uh, fish meals a, a month if that it's just we've reached that point where the health benefits just aren't there anymore. The, the oceans are too contaminated um, and uh, farmed fish, you know, they're fed uh, parts of a fish that they fished out of the water, out of the oceans that are contaminated. Also, when you have like a, a cow that gets sick or a chicken that gets sick, usually they'll get it inoculated. They'll get taken care of the individual animal that's sick. Whenever they think there might be a fungus in the, in the fish pool, they'll just, drop a bunch of chemicals in there that affect all the fish. So in my opinion, we're up to the point now where it's not really that safe anymore to eat anything out of the oceans or out of these fish farms. So I've personally just completely cut out fish from my diet, brought it down to about maybe again, two fish meals a, a month. And that's, um, it fits uh, just because it's there and, and whatever. But I think we're, we're up to that point now where, it's just too contaminated out there to eat the fish anymore. What do you think, Steve? I mean, I, I don't have any doubt with that. They're actually you're banning their plastic straws now because the plastic straws are getting into the ocean and they're doing that. Also, the, the, the turtles, the sea turtles are actually ingesting the uh, straws and balloons and stuff for plastic. So, um, you well, know, I'll, you tell gotta, you how, I'll tell you how bad it is, man. You know, the, the, the polyester fibers um, that are coming off our clothing in the wash, they're, they're ending up in the ocean and the plankton are eating them. They're finding uh, microfibers, uh, small plastic fibers in the digestive tracts of plankton that are, are eating them, thinking they're, they're food, I guess, somehow. If you look at the statistics, um, you, can, you can look this up, guys. Talk to any biologist in your area and ask them, is it safe to, to consume the fish out of this lake? And they'll say, absolutely not. They say, yeah, we tested the fish out of this lake. You don't want to consume that fish. Um, so, you know, like if you want to consume fish, be very, very careful where you get it from because, um, but like Rick said, you got to reduce it and, um, you got to be aware of what you're putting in your body guys. It's, it's really getting bad out there. The soil depletion is actually, um, I've researched this quite a bit. The soil depletion that we're going through is causing people to be deficient in very important minerals, which is causing low testosterone levels, specifically boron and zinc is um, 80% of people now are, are deficient in these minerals. And without those minerals, you cannot produce testosterone. So if you're one of those people in your 20s and 30s who have low testosterone levels, it could be a big reason why that you are consuming too much conventional foods and not enough organic foods. So your mineral levels are going low. The soil is getting depleted. That's why every year, if you have a vegetable garden, you have to recycle your, your soil. You can't just use the same soil every year. So, all right, guys, next topic is going to be advantages and disadvantages of the one, two meal a day thing. I know Mike Rashid does likes to do the one meal a day thing. Um, I think it's called the, the OMAD diet. So, Rick, I, I want to pick your brain a little bit on this. What do you think about the Mike Rashid uh, OMAD diet, one meal a day? And what do you think about the two meal a day? Go ahead and um, tell us your thoughts. Look, I, I read about these briefly before the the podcast, just to get familiar. Uh, these are variations of the same principle you and I have discussed many times. Just uh, restricting the time when you're feeding. 
so that your body's not bombarded with insulin all day. Um, I think four hours, a four-hour feeding window is about the right uh, feeding window. If you can manage a, a shorter one, I think that works as well. But yeah, I mean, look, four hours a day is, is the only time you want to be eating from about 5 p.m. until about 9, 4 to 8, somewhere around there. And uh, if you have one meal or two meals or six meals in those four hours, to me and in my experience, it works just as well. You know, just restricting the time that you feed, it's, just, it's the important part. You want to make sure to have a good long portion of the day when you're not bombarding your body with insulin and maybe a couple of days a month where you are not taking in any calories at all. I've been saying that for a while. I'm going to continue to, to push that, um, push that line. So I, I think it should work just, just on principle us, alone. Uh, it should work. Give, give me your thoughts on why it's easier to put your four hour window in the evening with basic person, if you work like a normal, you know, nine to five job, whatever, not, not saying you work at night, but normal nine to five job, normal person, normal lifestyle, you know, you'd like to work out, whatever, either before or after work. What's the advantage of doing the four hour window in the evening versus the four hour window in the morning? And I'll give my thoughts on it. Yeah, go ahead. It's a good question. With me, it has always been that I do cardio in the morning. So doing morning cardio, I like to do fasted cardio. I feel looser. I feel better. And nice uh, 36 ounces of water before I hit the door and I'm out jogging, I'm out mountain biking, whatever it is. So with me, it just fits my lifestyle that I've been, haven't eaten anything. My stomach is nice and light and I feel better and lighter when I haven't eaten anything. Um, my brain is more awake. My body is ready to go. Once I start eating towards the evening hours, um, I get a little bit slower and a little bit sluggish. Um, I, I get some... I can feel the energy from the food, but I also can feel myself, my body going to digest it and process it. So it's just a, it's just a normal rhythm for me. In the morning, I'm, I'm up doing cardio. I'm up getting work done. I feel good. I feel good. No breakfast, loose, nice empty stomach, feel ready to go. Evening time is when I get weightlifting in. Um, it's when I you know, watch TV, do, do quiet work, um, read. And it's just more of a winding down uh, situation. I'm not going to be out and about doing anything. And it just fits better for, for me, at least. Um, I'm sure there are other folks out there who are doing their time-restricted eating four hours as soon as they wake up until about whatever it is, noon. Then they won't eat throughout the day. And, you know, you can do it either way. You just have to restrict the feeding time. But you can really put it in any window you want. Yeah, I mean, we know that the hormones when you wake up in the morning are completely different than in the evening. And that's just human nature. We are not um, species that are night species. Um, we've evolved at, at night to go hide in our shelter, our cave, whatever. And then we're hiding because we're scared of predators. We're scared of the dark. Humans have always been scared of the dark. I mean, you gotta remember, million you know two million years of evolution no electricity in that two million years uh no flashlights at night no you know so we had to rely on a, a fire and firewood and keeping that fire up all night we were scared you know uh, scary things came out at night you know um mice and, and rodents and came out at night and scary looking creatures and and cats big cats 
that would uh, compete with us for food and attack us and stuff. So, you know, our hormones are different. We wake up in the morning and the advantage for me of having your window in the evening is very simple because if you wake up and you eat right off the bat, you're going to want to eat again two hours later. You're going to want to eat again four hours later and on and on because you get that blood sugar spike and then it comes back down. You're going to want to eat again. So you'll notice if you stick to your window in the evening, you won't get hungry until you break, you know, have your breakfast. So the food companies love pushing breakfast. We just had a study come out, Rick, that said breakfast is the most important meal of the day. A study showed that. And guess who sponsored that study? Quaker Oats. Quaker Oats is a company that makes breakfast foods. Breakfast foods. So yeah, they want to push people to eat breakfast because they know if you eat breakfast, you're going to be hungry again two hours later and hungry again two hours later on and on. So the best way to do if you do the two meal thing is try to work out like middle of the day, work out, empty stomach, then you eat your first meal in that window and then you have your second meal and don't snack in between either before or after. Try to space it out so your insulin levels come down, your glucagon goes up. And you get a nice little effect of fat loss and the autophagy and all that good stuff that comes with it. The gut, the gut, your gut will feel a lot better. So you won't feel less tired and sluggish. If you're getting sluggish in the middle of the day, I guarantee you a big reason for that is what you're doing when you wake up. And you're probably eating a big breakfast. You eat a big breakfast when you wake up, you're going to be sluggish. Because as human beings, our adrenaline levels are high in the morning. If you eat, your adrenaline levels are going to tank. Any final thoughts on that, Rick? Yeah, I uh, just wanted to add uh, a 20-hour period when you're not feeding throughout the day is, is good. It's pretty ideal. But if you're just getting started, if for whatever reason, lifestyle reasons, it, it, that's not convenient for you, you know, you can do 16-hour uh, fasted period and only give yourself about eight hours to eat, which is still a lot. But it's better than, it's better than eating all, all freaking day. Right. So you can maybe uh, if you're going to do it towards the beginning of the day, you can have breakfast, 7, 8 a.m. They have lunch around two or three and be done for the day. That's that's the two meal a day principle, I believe, that that's out there. Um, if you wanted to flip that around and do that at nighttime, I guess you can have your uh, your first meal um, sometime around two or three and then your last uh, feeding around eight or nine. It, you know, it's it's a broader, it's a wider window. It's a different uh, different time, but you still you still want minimum, my opinion, minimum sixteen hour fasted period throughout your day to get good results. Um, any, anything less than that, I, it's probably not beneficial, in my opinion. Yeah, and the, the breakfast being the most important meal of the day, guys, completely wrong. Um, these studies that come out, it's all the breakfast companies, all the cereal companies. People are catching on. We, I saw something where cereal companies, their revenues are coming down drastically. People are figuring out that they've been lied to since the, since the 80s. We all grew up, Rick and I grew up in the cereal generation where we'd cut out coupons and we'd take it, we'd go, our mom would be like, hey, cut out whatever coupon you want from the Sunday paper and we'd go and buy our, our cereal and that would be our food. You know what? Yep. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible the way these food companies manipulate children. And if you watch a cartoon in the morning or whatever, Saturday morning cartoon, you'll see cereal commercials because they're trying to push this crap on kids. 
So guys, really, breakfast is actually not an important meal of the day. You're better off without breakfast. You are better off without breakfast. That's evolution, baby. Two million years of evolution, human beings did not eat breakfast when they woke up. They did not eat breakfast. When they woke up, they may look for food, but they weren't eating food. They didn't have refrigerators to open up to eat. So how are they supposed to eat food when they get up in the morning? So think about that, you know? All right, guys. So we're done, guys. Uh, we, blew, we blew through this. Three great episodes. Send in your questions. We're supposed to have a caller this week, and we're going to um, you know, continue kicking ass, guys. For Steve Smee and Rick, appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. Talk to you guys next week. Take care, guys. Take care, Steve. All right, buddy.